Thank you for tuning in to the Verb Church podcast. For more information about Verb Church, you can go to myverb.church. Now, here's Pastor Shane Tarpley with today's message. So we're going to wrap up the relationship series this week, and then Pastor Shane will be back with an awesome new series next week. But we have really enjoyed this. And just to recap everything that we've talked about, this month is one thing. Everything has to be God-centered, right? So your relationships have to be God-centered. And we're going to end on a high note today. Before we introduce this amazing couple, the one thing that kept coming to me all week long was, you know, we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And that is where we're going to hit today is the testimony. And that's why you come to church. You have to share with each other your issues so that they can work through their own issues. That's how we help each other. That's how we bless each other. So without further ado, I'm going to give you to my beautiful wife, Cindy, and let her introduce our wonderful couple. Okay, so let me give you just a little bit of history of how I know Kristen. Kristen was in our youth group with uh, Shane and Amanda several years ago at another church. So she was also really good friends with my two nieces, so they got in lots of trouble together, and I just kind of got to watch Kristen go through all that. So um, anyway, they, uh, Kristen reached out to me, which we'll get into um, later, and this is how we have reconnected. And it's so funny because this morning, I just was praying for Ty and Kristen, and I get here, and I'm like, are, are y'all, you know, how are you, nervous? And they're just like, no, I'm fine. I am a wreck, and I don't know why. So I was sitting, I was sitting there going, okay, Ty, you good? And he goes, are you good? And I was like, I'm good. I just got to make sure you are. So anyway, they have a wonderful testimony. A lot I've heard, a lot I haven't. So without further ado, Ty, I'm going to let you start. Good morning. How are y'all? Good to see you. Good for the turnout. Got like the whole family on this side over here. Um, so I guess just a background about Kristen and I, we were, we both grew up in Bremen. I mean, that's not a real big story, but we grew up in Bremen, small town, um, you know, great parents, uh, great upbringing. We had the whole world, you know, um, and uh, we met in college, but uh, you want to tell them the story of, of uh, when we were younger? Um, well, are you on the board? We good? Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, we did meet in college. That's true. But <laughs> we, we went to high school together. Ty was a senior and I was a little freshman. He didn't even notice me. But his my best friend lived next door to him. And so little did he know, we would go outside at our pool while he was at his pool with our binoculars. Watching, <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> watching, watching him, his brothers, and his best friends cut grass, hang out at the pool. So I knew him, but he didn't know me. <laughs> and uh, the first time we ever met, you know, I introduced myself. I said, hey, how are you? My name's Ty. She said, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that's kind of where we started. But like I said, we had a good upbringing and everything. And um, honestly, in high school, I was, uh, um, I guess, what you would call a pretty good kid. Um, I hated getting in trouble, and I mean, I was definitely a sneaky teenager. My parents may say different, but I hated getting in trouble. You know, I tried not to do anything crazy. And um, but uh, when once I got to college, you know, I was pretty fearless and started, you know, doing stuff that going down a, a different path, right? And um, when we met each other, you know, we we immediately pretty much fell in love. I'd say. Um, and, uh, but we, we would go out and, um, you know, we, we did, you know, a lot of, we'd go to parties and we did, we drank and did all the stuff that you would think is normal at that time. Right. But in reality, it, it can lead you to a very dark place and it's a very slippery slope. Um, and, uh, so at, near the end of college, I, uh, I was starting work. I started looking for a job. Um, I had proposed to Kristen, and um, 
you know, for some reason, I just had a, a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of insecurities, and she didn't know anything about that, um, you know, until later on when I told her. But uh, I started to use prescription painkillers. Um, uh, you know, it started every weekend, and then it started every other day, and then it was every day, and absolutely nobody knew. I mean, I had a way of covering it up. Uh, you know, at work, I, did, I mean, I, it was all the time. But I did that because I was trying to fill something that that can only be filled by God. And um, that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, I proposed to Chris, and I'll kind of let you go from there as far as. Um, yeah, I guess, like I said, I pretty much had no clue. We didn't live together before we got married, so he could kind of, I guess, turn it on when, when he wanted to, you know, I thought everything was normal. Well, fast forward to when we got married, we moved into our first apartment and it was just not what I expected it to be. Um, the way he was acting, I guess, because since we were living together at this point, it was getting harder for him to be, be able to only see me when he was in a, in a good spot. And so I was kind of seeing him all the time, which was at first, I, I didn't think much of it. I was like, Man, living with a man is terrible. <laughs> he's, he's he's boring, lazy. Like this is awful. And, and then as time progressed, it turned into more than that. Where it was serious. He was um, disconnected, cold. Um, we got to where, like when we dated, we never fought ever. We just got to where we couldn't stand each other, and it. I didn't want anybody to know because it's, that's embarrassing to admit. And I really had no clue what was going on, yeah. um, why I just knew we were just not working out. And it was really bad timing because right, literally right when we got married is when it started to really spiral out of control for me personally. Um, and so it was very unfortunate for Kristen because, you know, once we got married and moved in, it went downhill really quick. And she's like, you know, who who did I marry? Who is this person that, you know, I, I didn't date this guy, you know, like what happened? And so it was very scary for her. Um, and it was kind of a shock and she had no idea what to think about it. So. But it was like, so we moved into an apartment right after we got married and then that's when the financial trouble started happening. That's when things started to get uncovered. Things started to really unravel for us. And um, I can't explain to you how dark of a place addiction is, how lonely of a place it is. Um, I know there's a lot of stories, you know, as far as testimonies that come out of drug addiction. And it's because that, to me, is probably the darkest place that anybody could ever be because you find this thing that you can't you, it controls your life you go your body goes into almost autopilot and your your morals and everything you've ever learned you're just sitting there in the passenger seat just watching yourself go down this dark path and you're thinking there's no way that i can get out of this and it was very scary for both of us and you know when i finally told her about it it was it was really scary because, you know, neither of us knew exactly, you know, what to do. And, um, yeah, cause I, I started noticing, I guess, like while I was at work, um, like money disappearing here and there and I would, but he always had an excuse for it. And so I kind of, every time something like fishy would come up, I would always justify it to myself and say, Oh, it's just because of this or, Oh, it's just, he had a bad day or, and I never really let myself think about what it actually could be I was just so like guarded and I didn't I guess I didn't want it to be true um, and then it got to eventually where his like employers started to notice and he did eventually like lose his job and at this point we couldn't afford like anything that we had with the apartment so we ended up having to move in with my mom and I guess I, we thought that would be good for us to not have as much stress on us but I think the opposite happened. Um, once we had more financial freedom, mm -hmm. um, things got worse. And I think that's when he really 
like hit rock bottom is when we, all of his resources, I guess, could go towards that. And then it got to a point where she was fully aware of it. My family was fully aware of it. I mean, on the outside, you know, due to social media, all this other stuff, we looked like we were fine, that everything was held together. We could put on a good front, but I mean, it, everything was just absolutely collapsing um, internally. And I remember I would come home and I would do something that I regretted doing and Kristen would get upset, get angry, and we would get you know in an argument or something and I would just cry. I, I mean, I couldn't help it. And I told Kristen that, I said, look, I know I've done these things and I can't explain to you how bad I regret doing it, but I can't, I can't stop. And it's, it, it, it's very scary because I just, I can't shake it. And so. Yeah. And for me, I think I was in, even before we moved in with my mom in the apartment there, I was in such a dark place because the enemy had kind of put it in my head that nobody can know about this. So it was just me, none of my family or friends knew. And it was such a dark place, and I would just cry, like, every night. And, like, it's so – because you hear a lot about addiction, but you don't hear a lot about the side of people, like, trying to help them. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard. It, like, rejection from someone dealing with addiction is the worst kind of rejection because it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, how much you love them, how much you tough love them. It doesn't matter what you do at all or what you say, like, it's not going to change anything. And for me, a lot of the ways that I feel love is by feeling needed. And so when I, he didn't need me and nothing I did seemed to affect him, I started to really like question my self-worth of, well, if I can't even help him, if I can't even, if he doesn't want to change for me, like what kind of woman, what kind of wife am I? So I started to really downward spiral with my emotions too, because I started to hate myself as he was starting to hate yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell them kind of how, like, like why you stuck around, or like. Yeah, <laughs> I going through it. Once I started to kind of open up halfway to people, I had a ton of people come to me, especially at work. Um, friends say, "Why are you staying with them? You don't have to do this. Like, why are you putting yourself through that?" And to me, it was kind of like what he was saying. Every night when he would come home, like, I knew what had happened, and he would just cry and cry, and, like, he felt awful, and so I could see, like, he was still there, like, he wasn't completely gone yet, and so it was almost like I was, it's kind of like a roller coaster, because I was getting a little bit of hope, and then it would go away, and so I think I just, I could still see, like, real, real tie underneath, and so it was something, like, to hold on to. Yeah, and like, I like that conviction and that that sense of me doing something wrong. It was there, and it hurt. It, it it was excruciating, but I couldn't do anything about it. And it got to the point where you know I had lost all ability to rationalize what I was doing to my life. I mean, I didn't care about anything. And right at the end, when everything kind of collapsed I mean she was trying to get me into church and I would go some Sundays with her and there was just so much darkness inside of me and I know this sounds crazy but it it was hard for me to be in there mm -hmm. because I was hearing the truth and the the light and I wanted to leave because I, there was such a, a grip on me in my life and I felt so terrible sitting in church hearing about the way out right and because I've never had a relationship with God um, I've heard about it I was like oh you know that's that's a good way to live life right and it's not for me and when I got to that point I'm like man that maybe that is the only way and uh, but I had no idea what was going to happen you know within the next few weeks and uh, one day when it kind of all came down um, so I had got a hold of some money and I skipped out of work and I drove to downtown Atlanta. And um, 
I cut my phone off. Nobody could get in touch with me. Nobody knew where I was. And I didn't know where I was going to go. I was just riding around, and I ended up, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but a drug called fentanyl, and it's killed several people um, in the state of Georgia. But I did that, and I was just riding around, and I don't, rem I don't remember any of this. And this was rush hour traffic on, on uh, 78 in Douglasville. And somebody had called, I, I was swerving my truck, and I passed out at the wheel. And there's oncoming traffic, I mean, it's, it was packed. It was about 5.30, and I went across two lanes of traffic up into a ditch, and the only thing that I remember from that night was I just heard this voice saying, Ty, 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 and I woke up, and I hit the brakes, and I slid about five feet from a telephone pole, and that's the last thing that I remember about that night. Um, and so I went to jail, and that's kind of where it seemed like it was the darkest possible place that I could be in. I mean, we had everything that we had ever wanted, and I had destroyed it within two years. And I was in jail sitting in a jumpsuit talking to my wife and just thinking, what has, what has happened? What is going on right now? And, if, I mean, if you want to tell them kind of how you felt in that time. I, I mean, what, during the wreck, like, I had no clue because, like you said, his phone was turned. I had no clue. I thought he was just ignoring me because I had actually that day told him not to come home. And so I had a lot of guilt about that because I was just so, like, I was at the end. And so I put a lot of guilt on myself, like, blaming myself for what happened, thinking if he, I just let him come back, this wouldn't have happened. But obviously looking back now, I mean, I think that was one of the best things that could have happened. Um, but while he was in jail, he didn't call me. And so I had no clue. I just had to go to go to bed that night. And me in the state I was in still trying to make sure everyone thought we were great. I had to go to work the next morning, not knowing if he was dead, alive. Um, and I had to act like everything was normal. Um, so it was really tough. Um, I ended up going to, to visit him um, in jail after like three or four days of him being there because I wasn't ready to bring him home until I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah, that was honestly the best possible place <laughs> that I could have been. So. Yeah, and so I thought I thought at least he can't get in any more trouble. Yeah, I can't. I know get where out. he's at, and so I went to visit him, and he was just begging me to bring him home, and I said no. And that was one of the hardest things. So I went home, and I kept thinking, praying on. Because at this point, I had given up on God. I was like, why would you let me get to a place like this? And so I just kept thinking and thinking, talking to family. And um, and a, a pastor of a church I used to go to, I reached out to him. And he said, well, have you heard of the Blake House? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I heard of it. But isn't that like a really long time? He was like, yeah, it's 10 months, but it's this or that. And so um, I got a call later that night from Ty, and he said, okay, I'm ready to do something. Um, and I was like, well, you, I mean, you got to be ready because I'm not getting you home and you tricking me and you coming home. You're, you're you know, it's going to be like a day or two at home and then you're going. Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Blake House. Um, but it is, if you know anybody that's struggling with addiction, I would highly suggest it. It's, it is very, it's an incredible place and I cannot explain to you what it's like in there, but to give you an insight of what it is like a little bit, like, so for you go in, it's a 10 month program. The first two months you cannot see anybody. You can't talk to anybody over the phone as far as family members, but the whole program, there's no cell phones, no, you know, TV. There's nothing from the outside. You can't listen to any music, only Christian music. 93.3, I still love it at this point. <laughs> and yes, for the young people, I went 10 months without social media and a cell phone. It is possible. But um, 
that is was to me one of the most important parts and I'll get to that a little bit later but when I first got in there I'm like oh my goodness like how am I going to do this how am I going to climb this mountain I mean Kristen and I were at the very bottom and like we didn't I didn't have contact with her so I don't know if she's going to leave me if she's going to file for divorce what she's doing and so it was a very confusing time and a very depressing time but I quickly learned that um, this was going to be the place that I needed to go. Um, we weren't, we still hadn't talked yet, but I, after about a month and a half, I got baptized um, at a church out in Bremen called Victory Fellowship. And uh, that was a church that we would attend sometimes on Sunday. And uh, after that, my life really started to change. And um, that's when, uh, I kind of felt the light for the first time. And I'm a very analytical person, so when I, before I um, got into it, you know, I'm thinking, okay, if this God thing is going to work, I'm going to have to read the whole Bible. <laughs> and because I, I, you know, I love history, I love all that kind of stuff, but, you know, somebody's like, you're not going to read the, the whole Bible. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to read the whole Bible. And so I started reading the Bible. And Old Testament, Genesis, all that, all the stories from, you know, that you hear when you're a child and all that. But I, um, I went, I was reading uh, after Genesis and all this, and I got, I hadn't heard anything like crazy yet. It, it was, I didn't think of it like that. But then I heard a verse, and it just changed absolutely everything in my life. Um, and I'm going to read it to you. It's 2 Samuel 14, 14 in the Old Testament. And it says, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. And because um, I felt very alone, like everybody really was upset with me, mad at me. Um, I'd let several people down, a lot of friends and family, and uh, I'm the emotional one, by the way, in this relationship, <laughs> and uh, she never cries, but um, uh, so that, that, thank you, that, um, that first hit, I mean, it hit me, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, somebody's going to love me no matter what, and uh, so that's when really the story started to change for me, but. I mean, if you want to talk about kind of the first time we got to see each other. Yeah. Um, so like he said, the first two months he was there, we weren't allowed to see each other. We weren't allowed to speak. No letters. No nothing. So it is a very confusing time because he doesn't know what I'm thinking. The, he told me the whole time he thought I was he was waiting on divorce papers every day for two months. So he didn't know what I was thinking. I didn't know what he was thinking. And it was just it was a very confusing time. And. I, I lived with my mom, but I was living in the basement um, by myself. And I remember like the first couple nights of me being by myself, I was just praying like, okay, God, let's start this over. If this is going to work, like I'm going to need your help because this is going to be really lonely. And I just remember, I just felt a peace and him telling me, like, just trust me, just trust me, keep going, keep walking, just trust me. And so it was hard because I heard, because the the Blake house is in Bremen and I live in Bremen. And so I would see people and they'd go, oh yeah, I saw Ty today. I'm like, wow, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just, I don't, I, it's, it's weird to say, but I don't really remember a lot from those first couple of months, except I felt God tell me because I, so the first week, that he was there, I listened to a podcast at work from Stephen Furtick, and it was a it was an old series, and he was talking about, which is something I've always struggled with, is how people perceived us, and he was basically talking about how society like puts that on us, and puts that pressure of wanting to appear a certain way to other people. It doesn't come; it's not natural, and he was saying that. Like when you are a Christian, you can't worry about trying to change the situation you're in. You have to change 
the picture of what you thought it would be. Like, where do you get that picture? Do you get your picture from God or do you get a picture from social media, friends, work? Like, you need to start thinking about thinking about it in that way. And that really changed a lot for me because I thought, man, where did I get this picture of having the perfect marriage, perfect place to live, eventually kids, and everything looks great? It's like, where did I get that? Because it's not anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> and, and so... And so I slowly, my walls started to break down and caring about that. And I eventually started telling everybody in my family. And if there's one thing I've learned through all this is the enemy wants to keep you in the dark. And the longer you keep, I guess, your secrets and your shame in the dark, the worse, the worse it's going to get. As soon as, as soon as I told my family, I was so scared. Not one of them, not one of them judged us not one of them felt shame it was just so much love yep um and so as she was dealing with that outside as far as because she had to to take you know the face of our relationship on and tell people what happened because I wasn't there and so people would ask her oh well how's Ty doing how's his job going how's this and she had to tell them what was going on and it was a very hard time for her, um, but also financially it was extremely hard because um, at this point I was um, I was char I had several charges um, from Douglas County, and so we we had we have all these lawyer fees, we have all these tickets that we got to pay, and it was you know, a lot of money. And here before I had taken money out of an account that you're not supposed to take money out of and you get taxed a whole lot of money for it and uh so she's like you know when we get our tax return you know I'll be able to pay all this stuff and I'm thinking you're probably gonna have to pay taxes in (laughs) he didn't tell me all that and I'm like oh my gosh like I this is this is not gonna be good um and so I prayed and I prayed and I'm like, God, you can't let this happen at this point. Um, and uh, <laughs> so one thing that they tell you in the Blake house. So if you need shampoo, if you need certain clothes, if you need something, they say, oh, we'll pray about it. And then they walk <laughs> away. <laughs> and that is one of the that'll make you mad real quick, <laughs> especially if you're not a believer. And, you know, when she came to visit me, she's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I really hope we get you know, money back on our taxes. I don't know what's going to happen because at this point she kind of knew that that could be a possibility. And just out of repetition, I said, well, pray about it. <laughs> and I, the I said, look don't, that don't I got, say, don't say that to me. Because <laughs> I was, a, I couldn't work, right? I couldn't do anything. The only thing that I could tell her was you got to trust God at this point because I can't help you and nobody, you know, we're going to have to put it in God's hands. And y'all, the amount of money that we got back on our tax return was unbelievable that year. And I really, to this day, don't know how it happened. Yeah, because we had what the all the, I guess, penalties from what he took out. And I was so I was terrified because I was having to file it together. And this was our first time filing jointly. And so I had to have all his personal information from before for them to let us. But I couldn't talk to him to get anything. And so it was a very stressful time. And I was having to find a lawyer. They gave me 10 days to find a lawyer. And so I was dealing with all this at once. And I finally talked to one lawyer who could do it. And he kind of gave me the breakdown of how much he would cost, how much court fees would cost, um, and all this. And I was like, oh, God, okay. (laughs) And so we do our taxes. And this was like the second weekend I was able to see him. And I go up there. And I said, Ty, you're not going to believe this. This is at the week after I got mad because he said, just pray. Yeah. <laughs> and I, pray I, I said, Ty, you're not going to believe this. I said, we're getting, I said, we don't owe anything. We're getting money back. And he was like, what? what? Like, how much? I said, well, I took out, I, I said, I added up um, all the fees that the lawyer said and everything. Um, and I said, and we are going to have, we are, we will have $18 over and have everything covered. Yeah, but also what she did prior to that, 
she was she had no money and she was broke. I forgot to tell him this. And she was and uh, she was going to Midway Church at that point, and she had twenty dollars in her bank account. And she's like, yeah, what am I gonna do? Well, she sent twenty dollars to Midway. <laughs> That's all she had in her account for food and everything. And that next week, we got more. Our cup ran over. And um, at that point, I'm like, okay, this God guy's pretty nice guy. <laughs> He's like, okay. So at that point, I mean, that just boosted our confidence in Jesus. I mean, at that point, it was, you know, our head was down and we were, we were going to do this thing. And um, that leads us on to our next story, which I don't know how much time we got, but... Well, let me, let me just like, I got to preface it. So this whole, during this whole months he was gone, I was going through extremely like crazy spiritual warfare. Like God, we were, we were real close and things would be going great like that. And then the enemy would swoop in and like terrify me and then I'd be okay. And then I'd be terrified. And so I would go through these like different spells where I would be extremely terrified about one specific thing, which was really weird. And at one point, this is where I didn't tell you guys. <laughs> at one point, I was, for some reason, I was extremely terrified because I was like, what if Ty has to get a surgery in the future? What we're going to do, we're going to be back to square one. All and this is going to be for nothing. You know, prescription painkillers yeah. was... But, yeah, so I, w I was terrified. I was like, oh, my. So for some reason, for weeks, that's what I was fixated on. And I thought, we're going to be back at square one. He's going to go right back to it as soon as he has to do that. And I was already set. Well, this was during the week. And I get a call, like, one morning while I was going through all this. And it's the Blake house. And, like, when the Blake house calls, it's not good. So I was terrified. I was like, hello? And um, they said, well... We just wanted to call you and let you know. I know it's early. You're about to go to work, but we think Ty broke his hand. And I said, you think or you know? <laughs> and they're like, uh, well, some bones are kind of sticking out, and it's the size of a glove. All I'm right. like, okay. So this is what happened. So the Blake House can, from an emotional standpoint, I'm just going to tell you it's very tough, and it, it's they're very hard on you. And it can be very emotionally charged at times. Um, but you got to go through some of that stuff to, you know, um, deal with the pain of things that have happened with you. Um, so they got me going one day and, you know, really gave me what I would call talking to about my attitude and the way I was thinking about life, and, you know, just a slew of things. And if you you know as long as you don't touch anybody you're fine but as a 26 year old man typically if you're very angry you find the first thing to punch and typically that's a wall and me being a dumb 26 year old man i went and punched the whiteboard and i'm just going to go ahead and tell you all that concrete walls are still undefeated to this day <laughs> and which it was a terrible decision but in the moment it, i was it was very emotionally charged well I ended up, I had shattered my hand. It was completely shattered. Um, I broke seven bones, all, all four of the major bones in your hand. Um, and the surgeon was like, "You, it looks like a bomb went off in your hand. We're gonna have to do surgery immediately. And she didn't even know at this point that I was even really hurt. I mean, she knew something was going on. And I didn't think about that as far as like what they're gonna offer me well. This was during COVID, right? And so you can't have anybody go back with you at this point in the emergency room. And I had not thought of this yet. So I'm sitting there, my hand is like throbbing. My bone, oh, it's kind of gross, I won't tell you about that. But, <laughs> and the doctor comes in, he's like, you know what happened, this, this, that's cool. Well, we're gonna get you a couple of things to take the pain away. And I'm by myself. And this is about four months into the program. And then my stomach dropped. I said, oh, no. And I, I told him, you know, what, you know, what are you talking about? Like, well, we're going to get you some painkillers and some stuff to help you with the pain. And that's when I figured out that God had given me the strength 
to fight something that I didn't think I could fight, right? Because I'm the whole time in the Blake house, I'm like, if I get out, like, how am I, how am I going to say no? You know, like, I guess I'm just going to keep following Christ. And I told him, I said, look, man, I'm in a program right now, and I struggled with addiction. I, I can't, I'm not going to take anything. And at that moment, I knew that God had released me from that grip. Because I'm sitting by myself, and I was smiling <laughs> in that room. And I can't tell you all how big of a victory that was for me. My hand is like huge. I mean, it looked like a baseball in my hand, and I'm just smiling. <laughs> like, thank God. And that at that moment, and so I did that, went through surgery, everything with no anesthesia, like no pain, pain killing, you know, any you know, medicine, anything like that. Afterwards, the recovery, nothing, just ibuprofen, good old ibuprofen, and and the good Lord. <laughs> Yes, it was kind of crazy because I was having this weird particular fear and he was worried about being able to stay away from it when he got out. And so it was kind of like God gave us the same test at the same time. And so it was a really cool experience where because they let me take him to the surgery and just for me to sit there and like him be like, no, I'm good. And all right, ibuprofen every two hours, remember? And I was just like, oh, you know what? We can do this. And so... It was a, it was really cool moment. And she's like, she told the, the surgeon the day of the surgery, you know, no medication, anything like that. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Ty's already told me that. Ty's already given me all the details. And, you know, I think that gave her a lot of comfort. You know? And so at that point, that's when everything just started to really take off and things just started happening. And, you know, we had a lot of spiritual moves and that was you know, at that point now, we were just, you know, waiting on the end to come. When are we going to be able to start our life again, right? And it's been an extremely, extremely long road. Um, so I got out of the program in October of last year, and we didn't know what was going to happen. I have this stuff on my record from the arrest and all this. I'm not going to be able to get a job. There's no way. What am I going to do? You know, I can't drive yet. I don't have a license. I'm just going to sit at home, you know, and I won't be able to do anything. And I, I can't tell you the amount of people that reached out to us, friends and family, to offer us help. And uh, at that point, like, things just really started to take shape as soon as I got out. And God just straight, you know, blessed us. Um, you can tell them that when I got out. Yeah, um, well... A funny story that happened right before, you know, I told y'all about these weird fears I had. Well, there was another particular fear I had a couple months later, and it just popped up in my head like, oh my gosh, how are you ever going to trust him like, to have kids with him in the future? And it was just, it was overwhelming me. I was like, we're never going to be able to have a family. Even if he's good, I'm never going to trust that he's good. So how, like, I just don't, you know, so that was weighing on me for a few weeks, and I was hanging out with a, a family member um, that is very, she has a very strong gift of discernment, always has. And we're always, we'd like to meet up and talk. And she said, I know this is going to sound weird, but I just have to tell you, like, you know, I feel like it's your time, you know, you're going to have a child soon. And I was like, huh? Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Do you know what we're doing right now? I know. So then um, this was a few, a few weeks before he got out. I went to see him one weekend. He was like, I said, you're never going to believe what she told me today. And I, I told him, and he goes, oh, my God. He said, you're never going to believe what um, one of his buddies told him in the program that day. Yeah, and so we're at church, and this dude is super quiet, not real, you know, doesn't really say much. He was one of my good buddies in the program, and – I would have never in a million years thought about having a kid directly when I got out of the program. Like, that's a terrible decision. You know, I got to figure out if I can make it, you know. And I'd forgotten what God had done for me in that room. Well, um, so we sit down for church, and he sits down next to me, and he goes, so um, is Kristen pregnant yet? And I'm like, what are you talking about? 
He's like, oh, no, God just wanted me to ask you, you know, how's that going? Are you guys, when are you guys going to have a kid? Is she pregnant? And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, probably not good timing. We haven't talked about it or anything. And so that's what I went and I told her, I said, this, somebody else said the same thing. And um, we had one other person. Yeah, I thought it was weird. So we, that happened the same weekend. And then I went back the next weekend and another family member had said the same thing to me, like a different one. And I was like, oh my this gosh. Like yeah. They just said, I don't know why God put it on my heart. But yeah, like, it was kind of crazy. And so we were like, what the heck? Well, uh, <laughs> fast forward two months Two months after he gets out of the program, now I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah, she told me that. So it was funny because we almost knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. And God had spoke through people. And, I mean, these things that were happening just kept building our faith and building our faith. And at this point, I mean, it's just like, I mean, God's going to provide. God's going to do this in our lives. Like, we don't have any worries, and I cannot explain to you the peace and the joy of just letting go and letting him control, putting your pride down. We're two of the most prideful people that you will meet, and since we have done that and given it to Christ, I mean, our lives have just completely done a 180, right, 180 degrees. Well, um, so we, I just started a new job that I never thought I would get. Um, somebody just came out of the blue, a pastor that I know, said, I know a guy, we're going to get you a job. I started back a job that I never thought I would have again, and I love it. Um, now, I don't want to jinx it, but. Yeah, so then then we're, we're a little freaked out. Um, we're like, okay, where are we going to live? We're living in my mother's basement. It ain't a great spot for a baby. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so, we're like, it's working for now, but, and so. Yeah, <laughs> I know it was, it was great for now, but we're thinking like a few months from now, it's not going to be so great. And so we're like, what are we going to do? And so especially the way the market is right now, it's impossible to yeah, find something. There's no way we're going to get a house. And, and so we're going for tons of money right now. Yeah, and then Ty, Ty gives me that little statement. And he goes, just pray about it. And I said, <laughs> she gives me the I said, <laughs> and um I, so we see a house come up in my cousin's neighborhood. We've been that, looking for a house for like a week. Yeah, we we, we had just started house. saying, okay, like I got out of the first trimester. I think now we'll start kind of building that future. And so we saw a house in her neighborhood come for sale. I was like, oh, well, I'll text somebody and see if she can get us in just to look at it. So we saw it one day, went and looked at it the next, put an offer in the next day. So that's three days of it being open. And Friday night, we're at um, Cindy and Stacy's preparing for this and just talking. And I thought, but when I got to their house, I thought, you know what? Any stress I have going into this, going into their house, I'm just going to lay it down. Like, this is an important thing to talk about. I want to spend time with them. I want to really, you know, dive into, like, what God's done for us and just have this night be about him and not about anything we've been worrying about this week. So we had a great time, and we leave. And we got a call, and they accepted our offer while we were at their house. There's like 20 offers, 20 to 30 offers. And so it's just every single time we've been stressed and stressed. The second you just lay it down, it's like, I told you to trust me about 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's been one, like maybe it's been about a year and a half since that. Let's see, one. Yeah, about a year and a half since I wrecked my truck, you think? Mm -hmm. And... God has completely restored every single thing in my life, our lives. And given us more. And it, it's just the most amazing transformation I've ever seen. And when it comes back to the Blake house, I cannot no. tell you how important it is to not listen to the world. You have to get the world away from you. And the Blake house allows you, you know, you don't, really don't have a choice, which is why it's so awesome for people. Because um, some people can do it on their own and, and they can put those things to the side. Um, but just you got to focus on God. You cannot focus on anything else. And things are going to happen. And it's just, it's really hard to explain the peace that we have at this point in our lives. 
And I think another thing is just, like I said earlier, like being able, the freedom to like share what we've been through has like meant everything. Because like I said, when I was going through the time where I didn't tell anybody, I was so alone and just sad. And there's just something in like sharing this with people. And I don't, I don't ever want somebody else to feel the way I felt when he was going through that. And so it's just awesome to know that we can share what we've been through and tell other people they don't have to like keep it to yourself and that mm-hmm. you're going to go through things in this world as long as you're alive. And yeah, it's not perfection or, you know, whatever you have this vision of, it's just raw grace, kindness, and, you know, the ability to look at yourself and your faults and say, I'm not good enough, but he is. And so we really appreciate it. I mean, do you have anything else that you would like to say? And I think, um, I guess the main thing I've learned from all this is you can't just ask God to like pick you up out of a situation. It's like, oh God, help me get out of the situation. Like sometimes he'll do that. But for us, it took 10 long months, really a year of him slowly molding us separately into who he wants us to be. That's all it was. It's a lot of work, but it's so rewarding. Um, so if he doesn't just take you out of the situation, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of look at, are you putting in the work to yeah. change, you know, to look at, to be what he wants you to be and not what this world tells you to be. Mm-hmm. So with, uh, so Kristen um, and I met a couple of times prior to us, you know, um, I didn't, it was really strange for me to get a call from Kristen. Um, and I thought, okay, why is she calling me? So I called her and she asked me if we could meet. And I was like, yeah. So and I told Stacy, I said, I cannot imagine what she would want. So she and I met and uh, she was telling me I had not met Ty, didn't know anything about him. And she was, you know, telling me everything that was going on. And the only thing I could, because my husband and I had gone through, um, you know, a different situation, but the same pain, the same hurt. Um, And so I could relate to her and I could tell the fear that was inside of her. She would so many unknowns that she didn't know. But below her, I could see strength, strength that she didn't even know she had. And I remember leaving that night thinking, she's going to get through this. And the reason she's going to get through this is because she's stronger than what she thinks. And the strength given to her, she didn't know who gave it to her. But I knew one day she would know that. Um, So fast forward a couple of months, and I think it was right before Ty was coming home. You said he'll be home in two weeks. And I said, Kristen, I, I, I grew to love Ty before I even knew who he was. Because this man was willing to let God break him completely. And Kristen break her. And I knew my heart went out to her because I knew the pain she was in. I knew the desperation she was in. She wanted everything to just be perfect. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And the beauty of it is our being so imperfect is so beautiful to God. Because he's like... I'm going to make you perfected. But in me this time, in me, you, one thing they kept saying over and over again Friday night, and I have to just say they were so cute. Um, They were sitting there and I said, guys, this is how it's going to go. You know, we can ask you questions. And they were just like, they kept, they talked nonstop. And they were like, so what do you think we ought to do? And I said, what you just did, tell your story, tell your story, because people need to know that you can be broken and rebuilt better than you ever was. And the only person you're going to give credit to is God because it was nothing Ty did. Ty just said, break me. Kristen said, break me without using those words. And God did that. He broke them. And look at where they are today. They have a story of restoration. We have a story of restoration. And only God will do it. But you have to be courageous enough to say, God, I have nothing left. So you've got to break me. And by breaking them separately, he brought them back together. And now there they are with Christ in the center to raise a baby. When she told me, she told me the same thing. She said, I had somebody tell me this. Ty had somebody tell me this. 
fast forward it. I look down at my phone and she says, hey, and I knew it. I knew it. I was like, hey, just waiting because my first thing was, okay, what do you do? Because I knew. And she uh, sent me a picture of the miracle of that baby. And it has a purpose. And God needed you to be where you are because of that. So never be afraid to tell your story. Never tell it over and over and over again because that's how people grow in faith when they see God do that for one he's going to do it for anybody else so we're so proud of you thank you for being raw for telling your story online to a lot of people (laughs) I got in trouble because I told Kristen and Ty said you do know this is online you know this isn't just us and they went oh you could just kind of tell it was like okay this is different Um, But anyway, thank you again for coming. Um, Never stop telling your story. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. Come on. Amen. Serve God of Restoration. Pastor Shane is going to take it from here. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Verb Church Podcast. We would love to help you take your next steps. If you made a decision to follow Christ, would like to be baptized, or are ready to connect with us, head over to myverb.church forward slash next steps and fill out our digital connect card. Our team will follow up and help you guide you on your journey with Christ.